Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 23 of the I Gotta Ask podcast. My name is Daryl, I am the host of the show. Uh, welcome to the program if this is your first time listening and thanks for joining us. Uh, I describe the podcast as a show where I have conversations with cool people who do cool things and that's the only real thing I strive for. No gimmick, no specific goal, just cool talks with cool folks. Uh, chances are if you're listening right now, it's because you know today's guest or you're a returning listener here to check out the latest episode. And in either case, I appreciate the hell out of you for supporting me and this show simply by tuning in. Uh, so thank you all out there for listening to this right now. Um, sincerely, it means the world to me that people are out there downloading, streaming, and enjoying the episodes. Anyway, on to the introduction of today's guest. Today on the show, I spoke with Patrick Bergman of the band Lonely Avenue. Lonely Ave are a pop-punk band based out of Sacramento, California, kind of, uh, <laughs> near to Sacramento, California. And um, they're sort of this, they have like a pop-punk sound, but they mix a little bit of metalcore in there, which is which gives it awesome, like a lot of balls. I love the tunes, very high energy. Uh, anyway, Pat plays guitar and writes songs in that band, and we talked about Lonely Avenue's history, the songwriting efforts put forth by all members in the band. Uh, we talked gear and recording both at home and in a pro studio. Uh, we dove into Pat's personal history, including how he got into punk and who his early musical influences were, and we even talked about why he no longer drives his yellow Toyota Matrix, uh, which is a bit of a, a crazy story, and... Uh, I, th I think you guys are going to like it. And uh, if you don't know the music of Lonely Avenue, please check them out. Um, the band's been grinding away for the past 10 years or so and have put out some awesome albums and EPs with some killer tunes on them. They've recently shared that one of their previous records, Attack on Robot Pirate Island, has hit 3 million streams, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, and their newest uh, record, or EP, I guess, is called Strong Enough to Fall. It's out now, and the band has made a series of videos for each of the tracks on that EP. And it's almost like a short film when you watch them in the correct order, which Pat filled me in on because I was a little bit unsure of. Um, and the final release, final release of those videos is an animated dream sequence uh, of sorts that goes with the song Short Story. And the band will be dropping that this coming Thursday, September 30th. So make sure to check out uh, their videos on uh, the YouTube channel for the label that they're on, uh, which is called We Are Triumphant. And look out for that video this week because I think it's uh, it's really cool based on the, the snippets that I've seen. So I'm going to play my favorite track off of Strong Enough to Fall, which is a song called Caffeine Dreams, which I came to find out was actually on an, on an older record too, which is neither here nor there. But uh, it's a really cool tune. I think you guys are going to really like it. And then following that, I'll roll the podcast intro music and we'll get right into the episode. Thanks again for being with us. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook if you don't already. And follow my personal Instagram, which is uh, Ol Surly, which is at O-L underscore S-U-R-L-Y. Uh, you can find the uh, podcast if you don't follow us on Instagram or Facebook simply by searching uh, the I Got Ask podcast. You'll find it. It's the only one on there. Uh, other than that, please enjoy my conversation with Patrick Bergevin of Lonely Avenue. With tired eyes, you fixate on the night where you're caffeine dreams enough to sleep.
What's up, everybody? This is Patrick Bergman from Lonely Avenue. You're listening to the I Gotta Ask podcast. Uh, why don't you tell the uh, the listeners? I'm I'm going to assume that most people that are listening to this are here because they know who you are, <laughs> and not <laughs> because they're. Uh, there's probably very few returning listeners that listen to every episode of this show. So if you uh, if you want to just quickly introduce yourself, let, let everybody know what what band you're a part of and uh, what's happening with you. Yeah, uh, well, I'm Patrick Bergman. I play guitar for uh, pop punk band Lonely Avenue, uh, based out of Sacramento. Uh, been been a band for. Oh gosh, I don't even want to say this. <laughs> It'll be ten years in January, and and I'm my my bass player and I are the oldest. We're we're twenty six, so oh, wow. I'm like, wow. yeah, I'm like I I say we've been in a band for ten years, and most people go, wait, how old are you? And I'm like, no, I'm twenty six. We we were literal kids <laughs> when we formed this band. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it, man. So you're uh, you play guitar in that band. You're the you're the sole guitarist in that band, right? Like. Yeah, I, I know your drummer. I, I his name is escaping me right now, but I know he plays a little guitar too. Yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, that's Gavin, uh, our right. our drummer. Nice. So yeah, I'm I'm the sole guitar player um, when it comes to on stage stuff. But um, honestly, uh, like like Gavin posted that video of him doing, um, I think it was Defeated, yeah. um, playing both guitar and uh, drums. He actually wrote all the entire song. That's crazy. Um, I know. Uh, usually, when when people, I, I tell people, oh yeah, our, our drummer actually writes writes songs for us. They're like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, no, like the like you wouldn't you wouldn't really think like oh because most people it's oh hey there's the drummer he drums that's what yeah. he does and uh, no Gavin actually takes uh, a lot of uh, uh, creative control. Um, uh, he like basically. We'll write. We'll all four write songs, and then uh, come together, and then kind of choose, pick, and then uh, collaborate. But a lot of his songs um, usually end up on the table. Actually, um, our our most popular song off of Attack on Robot Pirate Island, um, "I'm Not Sorry," was actually written by uh, him and I in 2015. Holy when cow. Yeah, when we actually weren't a part of Lonely Avenue, and uh, we'll we'll get to that in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a that's a fun story. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to like I, I wanted to get into a lot of the band history because I'm I'm new um, to like the Lonely Avenue like catalog. Like I I I think I'm pretty sure. I think I found out about you guys through Instagram. I don't know if I got like a like a one of those sponsored posts or. Or if you guys started following the podcast, I don't know how it went down. But the first thing I saw was um, Caffeine Dreams and mm-hmm. the, the post for that song. And uh, instantly I was like, wow, this is this is a great tune. This is like what I think, you know, new pop punk should be. Right. And mm-hmm. and it was right in line with that. So I, I instantly started like diving in and uh, reached out to you guys not long after to be on the show. And of course, you replied. So, again, thanks for being here. And yeah. um and you know, just it, I, I'm pretty new to it all, so I just wanted to get a little bit more background and see. Uh, you know, you've already told us where you're from. You're from Sacramento, so the whole band I'm going to assume met in Sacramento when you guys were when you guys were young. Yeah. So um, basically, how it all started was 
Well, we actually, most of us, we say Sacramento just because when we say we're, we're really from people are like, where the fuck is Cameron Park, <laughs> California? Yeah. So uh, technically, um, grew up in Cameron Park, California. Um, okay. Gavin, uh, his family moved in next door to mine. And so he was, he was 12 years old. I was 14 and <laughs> I was, I was already in a band quote unquote right. with, with a friend from high school. And, um, his stepdad came by one day and was like, Hey, like my, my son plays, uh, my stepson plays drums. Like, do you want to hang out with him? Basically he trying to like get us to become friends. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I remember it vividly. I went over to his house and I was like, okay, like, okay, like, what, what kind of music do you listen to? And he's like, oh, like, I like Blink-182 and that Green Day, all, all the bands that I listen to. And I'm like, okay. And so I told him uh, around this time was when um, Travis Barker did a drum cover of Soldier Boy. <laughs> and I was like, yo, play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay. And this 12-year-old fucking did it. Like... <laughs> I was standing there just like, uh, oh, I didn't think you could actually like play. I yeah. thought I was going to, this fucking 12 year old's ripping it up. And wow. so that's how him and I met. But at the same time, he had been playing with our singer, Casey, who was um, him. He was playing guitar and, and Gavin was drumming with him and a kind of band thing. And so, we really just like combined the two bands together. Um, and that's how Lonely Avenue really became the band. Uh, and, and that was around 2015 then? No, that was 2012. Holy that was, shit. yeah. So, so 2012. So, oh, right. Yeah. I was, you almost been 10 years now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 16. Gavin was 14. Casey was 14. And um, our bass player, we, we've, funny enough we've gone through like a hundred fucking bass players <laughs> until we got to gabe yeah. um but yeah so we were we were originally like sh like straight up punk rock like we were we were a green day ripoff it was <laughs> like marshall fucking sound with with the orange rocker verb like full full on just old school punk stuff mm -hmm. and then uh Slowly, we uh, started listening to more like metalcore and stuff, like especially like me as an angsty teenager, started getting <laughs> into bands like Attila, and uh, I was like, dude, let's put breakdowns in our pop punk music. Yeah. And so that's like 2013 is about when that started to happen. Um, into 2014, we had already released an EP, two EPs at that wow. point. Yeah, um, uh, those are definitely actually. So unfortunately, oh, so sidetrack real quick. Sure. You can find our very first single that we ever recorded, and the band is gonna fucking hate me for pointing this out. <laughs> very first song we ever recorded in 2012. It's called Losers. It's still on our Spotify. We have no idea how. We stopped <laughs> paying for it like six years ago to be online, and it's still there. They so just left it there. If, yeah, so if you want to hear some really cringy stuff, like definitely go check out Losers. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but so yeah, 2014, we're doing our stuff, getting a little more metal, started playing more metalcore stuff. And then um, end of the uh, middle of 2014, um, I like totally like lost it 
basically um and started like beefing with casey really and was like yeah like both like infighting really really bad it casey's was, your uh, singer right yeah, yeah. Case, casey's our singer and yeah it was a whole my band my band my band my band back mm-hmm. and forth between the two of us acting like fucking kids because right. we were um and so i actually took the entire band i took gavin the drummer our other guitar player at the time and the bass player at the time and we started our uh own band uh and the fight oh. and basically left casey high and dry um and so then casey from basically end of 2014 to middle of to like the end of 2015 worked his ass off rebuilding lonely avenue and he established he uh wrote so he put out an album with lonely avenue in 2016 called taking the road less traveled entirely written by him produced by him like wow it, it was his band and he was gonna make it fucking work and he did and like major props to him because i was we were doing our own thing mm-hmm. like and it was cool it was fun like i said we ended up writing that song i'm not sorry which we ended up using uh on attack on robot pirate island mm-hmm. so i mean it's not like it was all in vain it was a very good learning lesson especially as young adults and, yeah. and kids <laughs> um and so yeah he grinded he was able to get uh the song even the devil wears makeup which yeah. is a definitely metalcore yeah uh song uh got it to to go semi-viral um wow. through youtube and and yeah i got some uh really good connections doing that and then so about 2017 they did uh they did a tour a small tour and uh the last day was uh in sacramento and downtown mm-hmm. and so by this point i had kind of gavin had actually already restarted drumming for them again and so i was like okay like i guess like like i'll, I'll go see them like mm-hmm. it's it's been a few years and yeah i ended up reconnecting with casey um he was having problems with some of the members in there um by oh by this time sorry i'm uh, i'm keep on backtracking no, no, that's but, okay. um, uh while i had left he that's when casey found gabe um and gabe became the permanent bass player for lonely avenue in late 2014 early 2015 and was there with casey for casey the entire way mm-hmm. gabe's always been that rock kind of for us he's just so fucking chill it's like it's like damn dude i wish i could i wish i could like be as chill as you man (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like ended up talking to him again um we went to a couple shows we went and saw rancid together and nice kind of we're just like let's get the let's get the fucking band back together because he had the other two guitar players at the time had already left and they had one guy that was like kind of floating in and out and casey was just like let's let's fucking do this again. Like, let's be adults because we're adults yep. now and yep. let's do it. And then, yeah, 2017 put out an EP, Buried Treasures, mm-hmm. uh, just to get something out there. And then immediately after putting that out is when we went on to start recording mm-hmm. Attack on Robot Pirate Island, started yeah. recording that in 25, or 2018. And uh, yeah, from uh, do you want me to go on from there? I know I've already spieled basically our entire life story. No, man, it, it's great. Go all the way. <laughs> yeah, go all the way. I, I mean, like, okay. I, I've been like I said, I, I've been diving into a lot of of the new of the new EP. 
um, strong enough to fall. But like mm-hmm. also like I've been I kind of started with that record and then I went backwards, right? Because that was mm-hmm. the stuff that was right in my face with your Instagram and everything. That's been a lot of the posts that have been going on. I know you guys did like some the, like the mini movie kind of thing with the videos, and we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit later. But um, but yeah, so like I'm only just discovering some of the older stuff now, like Attack on on, Pi- on Robot Pirate Island. Um, definitely like wanted to ask you about the metalcore stuff. I was very curious about that, and so there so there's there's the answer that you guys kind of like been pumping that in there from the start but uh yeah so 2015 you guys kind of that's that was the year you guys kind of got back together you basically immediately started recording got it got an ep together for 2016 uh uh so so actually 2016 is when we got back together so okay, casey okay. put out taking uh the road less traveled right um, our full album in 2016 and then 2017 okay. was buried treasures the ep oh, right. where gotcha. yeah. we had all come back and then so yeah immediately after releasing that in 2017 we flew to rochester hills michigan and recorded out of um oh gosh i think it's called like 37 37 something studios mm-hmm. or eh, i can't remember what the studio was called um but we worked with this guy, uh, Drew Bender, uh, amazing producer. Uh, his band, Unwell, is an awesome band. Check those guys out, too. How'd you get hooked um, up with that guy? Or, so that's, or actually, that studio? Um, he actually messaged us because we did a cover of You've Got a Friend in Me um, for a compilation CD. And um, he got in contact with Casey um, and wanted to help on it. And so uh, he helped produce that and then was like, hey, like, you guys want to come out and do an album like the the studio he works with uh nick sampson um another producer um and they work out of the same studio so i'm sure the Mm. people listening if they know who nick sampson is and what studio he works at they know what studio we were at (laughs) anyways yeah um so yeah he hit us up and we're like yeah let's let's fucking do it we're like we're like let's go all out we want we want everything to sound as good as it possibly can we wanted to record in the nicest facility we could we flew from california to michigan to yeah to put this together and then um yeah i recorded the album and uh put together um uh press kits and and sent them to some labels Mm -hmm. and um that's when uh, we got contacted by uh we are triumphant records and uh they expressed uh, interest and really liked what we were doing nice and um so yeah uh what's that record company called uh we are triumphant records ah, right. uh yeah most known for neck deep um um greg long um the president owner uh guy we work with pretty closely um fuck that's awesome yeah, that's yeah that's how um so that's, that's why how... so so that's where your all your youtube videos are they're they're with that that label i was wondering why it was we are triumphant i was just wondering if that's what you guys just called the channel but the, so it's not your channel it's the record labels channel yeah yeah uh-huh. that's the records uh channel okay. and uh yeah cool but, so uh, so you guys got gr- like you but since the, t- the my point of my question was you guys got back together in like so you said 2016 but you started grinding right away you started putting material out like right away and you've been pretty consistent yeah. you, you've had how many EPs and and full lengths out now um since since, since that 2016 yeah. yeah so since 2016 i guess so two albums two EPs um and no two albums three eps because wow. we did an acoustic ep um earlier this year actually oh cool 
Um, yeah, it was just a quick three little um, acoustic song EP just because we couldn't get any of our actual songs out until later. So we're yeah. like, oh, can we put out these? And so, <laughs> um, so yeah, we're like, uh, the writing doesn't stop. Um, I mean, honestly, the hardest part about writing an album for us is picking the songs we mm -hmm. don't want to use. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. It, yeah, because I'll, be, I'll write songs, Gabe will write songs, all four of us will write songs. We'll come together, we'll write songs together from scratch, and then we'll take each other's songs and build upon them, tweak stuff here and there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy sometimes I'll, I'll i'll be going through my phone and I'll, I'll be like okay i have like 15 demos like wow. like rough demos but i mean it, it doesn't stop for us we've i think it's kind of this this it's almost like an anxiety that if we stop making stuff that we're gonna kind of i don't know forget how to make stuff but <laughs> well i mean if it, the inspiration's there and you can keep writing i mean why not like that is like the more you can pump out and that's like i'm not i don't consider myself to be a great songwriter i i do write some some stuff that i've been like demoing lately and just at home you know what i mean getting stuff ideas down but i've never considered myself to be like any kind of a songwriter but for me writing is very difficult i have to wait for inspiration to hit just right and then i have to have time to to sit down and try to record stuff and I'm still new to home recording. So it's kind of tough, but if you've got like the one thing people have always told me is just keep pumping stuff out. You know what I mean? Like you have an idea, work it out. If it doesn't pan out well, whatever, at least you've got uh, something down and you're and you're getting practice writing tunes. But for me, it doesn't come easy, but it sounds like for you guys, it's just, they just, the songs are just coming and coming and coming. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost weird. Um, uh, because I know for me, uh, a lot of my writing is, it'll start with, I'm like washing the dishes and mm -hmm. I'll just start humming something and I'll be like, oh shit. And I'll just like throw down the dishes, run down, grab my mm -hmm. guitar and just through my phone, just record that yeah. single rift, like that 15 second rift. And then I'll probably forget about it for a day or two. Mm -hmm. And then... I'll do the same thing where, oh, I got this rift, I'll record it, and then I'll listen back to something else, and I'll go, oh, okay. And then so I kind of, that's how I like to yeah. write songs, is just kind of like build pieces together, and then... Yeah, yeah that's how I do it too, exactly how I do it. So like oftentimes, like, and I just had, uh, the last episode I just put out was with a guy named Mike Garrett, who's in a band called Three Chords, and they just, they just recorded an album, um, and he and I were talking about this and that is sort of his process too. He gets an idea like me. We both had the same thought to put it into voice notes. Like sometimes I'll just hum it into voice notes if I'm not nowhere near my guitar. If I am near my guitar or if I'm at home, I'll run up the steps into my, into my studio here, my little room studio and, uh, get the idea just roughly sometimes into voice notes, just like on an electric, I hardly ever play an acoustic, but on an electric, just not plugged in. You know what I mean? Just playing acoustically yep. into my phone. And then I try to piece those, I get those pieces into the DAW, like into um, Logic, and try to work that way. So it's interesting to hear you say that that's kind of how it is. But it seems like you're getting a lot more ideas than I am, because if you have like a bunch of demos just on your phone waiting well, to be worked. Well, out. I mean, th that's like from everyone combined. Oh right, like, yeah, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was. I was going to ask you that question. The writing, like you guys, so you guys are all writing basically. So Casey clearly is, is a songwriter. He he wrote yeah. basically an entire album himself. Um, you've got songs, um, your drummer's writing songs as well, 
do you guys all sort of get your ideas down on the side and then come together and 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 figure out which ones you want to keep or do you guys come together and work on specific songs together how does that work for you guys uh so it really just depends um there's uh i'd say most of the time it's a nearly complete song that someone will bring in Mm -hmm. um and and i think all all four of us are are really um connected with how we want the sound so it's fair it's fairly easy for us to agree on um Mm -hmm. what we want something to sound like um but even those songs it's i'm still i'll go in and (laughs) the so actually on one of our songs ready for home um when we recorded it originally one of the guitar parts um was kind of double double timed and just a little bit faster mm-hmm. and so when the part came up i didn't even bother to say anything i just recorded it how i thought it sounded better <laughs> and casey kind of looked at me and i went what do you think and he's like all right cool <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like cool sweet and i'm um, but then other parts, other songs like um, Small Talk mm-hmm. um, off of uh, Strong Enough to Fall. Yep. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, Casey wrote most of the instruments and then Gavin wrote the entire lyrics and melody for the song. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, it, that's insane it, to me because like I always just picture you know like in the bands i've been a part of it it's always like the singer comes up with the vocal melodies and the lyrics and the guitar players get together or player and writes you know the guitar riff and all that kind of stuff but it sounds like you guys are collaborating on everything which is awesome because the sound is pretty um consistent across across the records like the new one is um uh strong enough to fall is a little i would say a little more poppy than like attack on on robot uh, robot pirate island but Mm -hmm the sound is still fairly consistent, which means that your collaborative writing has been there all along, obviously. Otherwise it wouldn't, you'd have these very variations in the, in the songs, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And where, who's, who's the metalcore influence then? Like, like who's most into that? Are you guys all into that kind of thing or was it one person or two people bringing it in? I, I would say we were, uh, more so eh, most of us. Yeah. Pretty much all of us were, we're into metalcore. I mean, uh, cool. uh, especially uh, me and Gabe. I would say we're we're total fucking scene kids. Yeah. So, I mean, you would you you would catch me at the local Chelsea Grin show. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I would I would say probably more Gabe and I, but Casey also definitely mm-hmm. li- was listening to metalcore. Um, the uh, the opening track off of Attack on Robot Pirate, Pirate Island, actually, uh, New Beginnings, probably the most metalcore song on the entire album. Mm-hmm. And Casey wrote that yeah. starting guitar riff. Wow. And yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's real. I hate to, I hate to talk so highly of ourselves. It makes me no. feel like a fucking douchebag. But no, like, dude. honestly, Casey and Gavin are like, absurdly good songwriters and musicians that that like i could literally gabe and i could both have fucking broken hands and they could probably play the entire (laughs) show just fine (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't feel bad about that, man. Like, you know, credit credit is is due for sure. Like those albums, they're they're great songs. And to find out that you guys were so young when you wrote and and recorded a lot of that stuff, that a lot of the early stuff, like that's really impressive, man. And that's not something that you should shy away from feeling proud about. That that's that's a quite an accomplishment. And like that that metalcore stuff is not easy to pull off and have it be like catchy. You know what I mean? And because yeah. I'm not really usually into that kind of stuff. There was. The, the first band that really introduced double kick into like punk for me was a band called Finch. And mm-hmm. uh, like, like Finch for me was the first, you know, pop, I'll say pop punk band that incorporated double kick that I had ever heard. And it was like fucking mind blowing because I always liked heavier shit yeah. when I was a kid. But then I also liked how melodic and how much more like upbeat feeling pop punk was. And then when bands like Finch came in and started putting like that, the heavier, like double kick and some of like the, the more screamo kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it opened up a lot of doors musically for me and gave me like different variety in what I was listening to. But the metal core stuff was a bit tough for me because it, I didn't really find it as melodic or the kind of melodies that really resonated with me coming from like a sort of a pop punk upbringing sort of thing, like background. Yeah. So when I hear bands like you do it, like like Lonely Ave, where you guys are, you've got lots of great melodies, not only vocal melodies, but guitar melodies and the riffs and stuff like that. And then the double kick in there, which gives it a lot of balls and some like also like some screaming, some like heavy vocal parts. Fuck, it's like got a lot of balls, but it's also catchy. So, I mean, you guys are well-deserved, man. I mean, congrats on that new album because like that's, Thank you. I think it's, you've knocked it out of the park, especially with Caffeine Dreams. That is my favorite track off the whole thing. And like, it's, it's a long tune, but it's, keeps your attention the whole way oh yeah that's uh, and so crazy so crazy enough caffeine dreams was actually originally off of our 2016 release no uh, shit yeah taking the road less travel so yeah so we were in the studio recording the other songs to the strong enough to fall and gavin recorded obscenely fast like we, we probably did did four full drum tracks and like i don't know four hours holy like yeah and so we were scheduled for another like two hours of tracking and so i was like hey let's do caffeine dreams and casey's like yeah dude i fucking love and we're all like yeah dude we we all fucking love that song we're all we were all over the years like man that had a better mix that would be such a good song that would be such a good fucking song and so yeah i was like oh i see my chance Dude, let's fucking do this and yeah just downloaded the freaking song onto um our producer's laptop and mm-hmm. yep all right let's go track this then wow yeah so, so was it actually on that that album back then yeah it so was. You, you yeah you can um it's it's still up there oh, um wow. you can listen to the old mix uh it's the original mix from 2016 was recorded in drop b oh shit. um yeah, it still sounds super poppy, but um, I transposed it up to drop C. Yeah. Um, just because I was like, it sounds a little drop brighter. Drop is pretty, pretty low, yeah. right? It's pretty low. Yeah. Tuning. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, okay, let's bring that up to drop C. Um, and yeah, it was. And so recorded the drum track for that. We didn't have any guitars tracked for it because it was spontaneous. So um, we went backed it so we recorded all the guitar all the bass and all the vocals for strong enough to fall in casey's closet oh shit (laughs) yeah nice 
so I went in for a guitar session to record Caffeine Dreams, and I was I was playing the lead to the song, and I got lost in the song, and I ended up actually freestyling the lead that's over the chorus. Oh wow! And that, yeah, total one take on accident. Fucking cut <laughs> cut the track, and we both just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, we'll keep that. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, it's a happy accident. Why not? Yeah. Um, but, so uh, where did you guys record the, the new one then while we're talking about writing and recording caffeine dreams was, was recorded where is that the one that you... caffeine dreams was recorded. Or not caffeine <laughs> dreams, I'm sorry. Strong enough to fall. The, the oh, strong enough yeah. to fall. So, um, the drums were tracked at uh, fat cat recording studio in Sacramento by, the amazing Sean Stacks. He actually he just moved to Austin, Texas, I believe. Okay. So if anyone in the Austin area is looking for a producer, uh, Sean Stacks, he is my he is my number one. Um, and then all the guitar, bass, and vocals were all recorded by us and Casey wow. in his closet. <laughs> that's insane, man. See, and that's like how much better like recording gears has gotten you know what i mean like home yeah. recording gear. oh yeah like it's like that's that is studio quality album i fully expect you guys yeah. to say you were in a studio somewhere and recorded that oh oh yeah no and and that's that's the big thing for us is like we most of our money when we make a record goes to the mixing mastering and the drum um recording mm -hmm. because we're really really big on um authentic acoustic drums mm -hmm. on recordings yeah uh, we've used the we've used triggered sets and and they're fine they're i honestly don't have anything against them they've gotten so much better that it is damn near impossible to tell the difference mm -hmm. but we know the difference yeah. like yeah. in our stuff so we like to go track drums at an actual studio but guitar vocals bass 99% of the time it's going to get DI'd through something else by your producer anyway. So mm -hmm. why bother miking up an amp? Why yeah. bother getting, uh, yeah, I, I th there's no reason to do that anymore. It's okay. Do you have a good signal? Is it a clean signal? Like, can you get, can you get uh monitoring back? Mm -hmm. Can you have some kind of tone to work with? If you have all those, dude, you're ready to go. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it. like I used to be really bummed out when people would tell me, even in the, like in the earlier episodes of this podcast, and those aren't that long ago, this is only episode 23, but like, like I had some friends on that did an album. They use like a Kemper, um, for everything for the guitar and the bass. And I was like really disappointed because I always like their old album was done with all like 5150s and Marshall, uh, uh, like 412 cabs and stuff like that. So their old sound, it was it was an older album like there that album was like a 2001 album so i was like still younger when it came out and and i really loved the sound of that record but when they brought the new one out it was really good and i and i asked him like hey you got that really like great like american high gain tone again like 5150 tone did you use a 5150 in the studio no we used the kemper and i was really bummed out but now that i've been home recording my own stuff and experimenting with uh with amp sims and things like that like there's a lot of good tones you can get digitally. You know what I mean? It, it, oh, yeah. It just makes everything so much easier, like you said, than, than miking up an amp in a cab and, you know, cranking a tube amp to get the, the right kind of tone. Like, it's just nowadays, yeah. for especially for demos or even, like like you said, even for final, like, home, home recordings, DIs are working great for most people, right? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, 
uh, in a perfect world, I I would like the producer to run it through yeah. an amp, an actual amp, mm-hmm. and then get that recorded sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something you pay for with reamping. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that's that's something we like to do. And, and yeah, I mean, did you do like, that on this on this record? Um, I believe so. Um, we it was mixed by Sam Gu- Guara. Mm-hmm. Guerna, I'm sorry, I can't say his last name. <laughs> um, he did uh, Silverstein's last album. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, uh, when we were talking to him, I was very specific and was like, "Hey, I would really appreciate it if you could use real amps in your reamp." Yeah. And and he said, he said, "Yeah, no problem." So I'm gonna take him at his word. Well, I'm it sounds go, great. Cool. Whatever it, it like, is, yeah. yeah, like it doesn't exactly. really matter what it ended up being because it's it sounds really good. Um, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, like it sounds it sounds great. The, the however it came out, however he did it, and and made it like made it work. It sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah. So it, it doesn't matter what it was to be honest with you. Yeah. So let's talk about the videos for this for this new one because I've seen all the all the videos for Strong Enough to Fall. I think. I'm pretty sure I've seen them, but I, I bet you I've seen them out of order because I still haven't kind of made heads or tails of what the, the storyline of the, of the mini movie is. So I know you guys, so you record all the songs and you shot a video for each song. What order do they actually go in? So um, they go in order of the album Ashland release. goes first, right? Uh, yeah, so it's Ashland into Caffeine um, into Short Story, which hasn't been released yet. That'll come out, I think, I think later this month, late late September, early October. um, Yeah, the music video for Short Story will be coming out. It's actually an animated video. Um, That one's really cool. It has a lot of like Easter egg stuff from uh, previous videos of ours over the past years. Um, But so Ashlyn, Caffeine, Short Story, Small Talk, and then uh, Defeated. And so the, the kind of idea was it's kind of just a big metaphor about doubting yourself um so basically in the beginning we get this text thing uh and from from a number saying to meet us up um implying that we had signed up for something that like we we have somewhere to go Mm -hmm. so we go, we go to the place, and that's pretty much the first video. And then Caffeine's video is um, we've started this um, sleep experiment where basically they're giving us drugs to keep us uh, awake. And so they're just running us down, running us down, running us down, um, slowly losing it. Um, then the short story video um, is a dream sequence oh, and nice. so that that one that one will be fun that one's just kind of a for fun sort of thing yeah um small talk um we end up waking up in this room um after the experiment um basically learning that uh we, we can't be let back because things things have happened that we we can't come back from uh-huh. um and so that's when doctors bust in tranquilize us dragging us out leading us to um defeated um oh and then in small talk you see actually uh gabe turning on us um and assisting the doctors defeated um 
we're led into a room and then so for defeated i i i really just wanted it to be as dark as it could for that yeah. like first part i was like i want this the start of this video to look like what website did i just click on <laughs> um, and so we're bags over our head and basically taken and interrogated by gabe um fighting back and forth between us um gavin and i are able to kind of escape mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to escape. I get taken out. Gavin finally makes it out. And he's running, he's running, he's running. Ends up coming out. And he comes out at the same spot where we had started Ashland. Um, and it's kind of left a little gray because me, me, my direct interpretation is it's totally made up. We, he, Gavin, made it up in his head, made up all these events thinking the worst and always expecting the worst which kind of like i would say it we kind of sometimes feel that as the band mm. and i think i believe all bands and all creators feel that way yeah. is, is oh my god like what what is this like yeah. what what's going on this this doubt and, and just kind of ha- just kind of going for it like we yeah. were we were really unsure we about all the videos we were going to do it was kind of just like okay I, I mean i guess yeah like yeah we're like piecing this together and and, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult i to, can uh, imagine and, and so I, so i guess i haven't seen all these i haven't seen small talk because it hasn't come out yet um or, yeah, that is the one you said. Is gonna short, be anim- short story. Short story. Happened. Short story. That's yeah. going to be the one that's an- that's animated. So I haven't seen them all, but I, I have seen the other ones, and I did see them kind of out of sequence. But because uh, I saw Caffeine Dreams first, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so I did see when Kevin comes running out, and then you guys are all standing there at the end, and that, yeah. that's where I was kind of confused. I'm like, what? What happened here? Like, <laughs> where did this storyline yeah. go? But I, I, that totally makes sense to me now that you say that, and that is a legitimate thing. Like that doubt that happens, like you said, in every band, it happens. I think in everyday life for most people you get a new job oh, yeah. and everyone's going hey you're doing such a good job and meanwhile you're thinking fuck i don't even know if i belong here like i feel like an imposter right so exactly i think i think you guys nailed that right on the head but and that, now that you say that that those videos make a lot more sense to me now because i was a little bit unsure and defeated was pretty cool because like the whole like bag over the head thing the escape scene like it was it was shot really well and it was a. Uh, it was a good quote unquote ending to the to the mini film or movie. So yeah. did you guys self fund all those videos or does the label help you out with that or how does that work? Um so we basically uh we try to self fund as much as we possibly can. Um just because the way we've made it work with the label is we're like, hey, if we're willing to put this much up, then you're willing to put up X amount. And that's always been, okay, no problem. They're like, they're like, if, and, and, and honestly, like, uh, I mean, we are triumphant, great guys, mm-hmm. not a huge label. We're not going to fucking beat around that bush. We're mm-hmm. not on fucking fearless. We're not on hopeless. Right. Uh, pure noise. Um, so yes, there's money, but with that, there are, x y and z that you have to do so we're like hey we're gonna invest this amount so in return 
you're at least fucking matching us. <laughs> and yeah. that has never been a problem. That has always been like, they're like, that's more than fair. Um, same thing like when it comes to our merchandise, uh, we own 100% of our merchandise. Mm-hmm. Anything we print, sorry, I keep knocking. That's okay. That. Anything we print um, is our money and they don't, they don't touch it. Like nice. they have nothing to do with that, which I was, I made sure I was like, cause I've known people that, that get into some wonky deals where they're getting merch cuts. And I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And, and actually we, so for Ashland and for small talk, um, we shot those ourselves. Um, wow. and Casey edited, um, those two videos. Wow. Nice. So, yeah, um, we had our friend uh, 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 Brent Baker. Uh, Brent Baker, uh, he's a photographer that is our friend, works with us. Mm-hmm. Um, shot a bunch of the scenes for us, just because he's a homie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Caffeine Dreams and uh, Defeated. Let me pull up um, Tyler's name just so I get it actually right. Because yeah, yeah. So great, great, great videographer. Okay, Tyler Dugoni. Mm-hmm. He um, he is at Visual Hype on Instagram. Mm-hmm. People want to check out his work. Um, worked with a pretty much every single metalcore band in the scene. Um, uh, works for Caliber TV, um, the YouTube channel. Okay, um, helped helped start that. Um, but yeah, he did those two videos for us and. Um, was totally awesome um was like okay like what's your idea and we came to him with full ideas and he's like dude let's do it like and so he is worth every single penny which (laughs) it it honestly isn't even that much like for for the quality that he gave us what we paid is probably yeah. not right <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the thing man if you can find someone to, to do it for you that that has the the talent and to get what the like the expected outcome it's worth spending the money you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah and and that's that's another big thing is we're even though they they are our friends uh we still pay everyone oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean like that i'm i that's that's something that's always kind of annoyed me being in a band um uh, being like Oh, you're opening for so and so. Oh, can you get me? Can you get me tickets? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you've never paid for a ticket to come just see me, so no. <laughs> yeah. So, so pay your friends, damn it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, and again, like that's something we were talking about on the last episode as well. Like people that reach out and try to get on guest lists, like you know, on a regular basis, it seems so like greasy. Like if it's your friends, you should support your friends. You know what I mean? If yeah. they're looking for you know eight or ten bucks to get into their show, fucking pay the eight or ten bucks. Like who cares? You know what I mean? doesn't yeah, hit exactly. your bottom line one bit and it's like entertainment and and it's your friends you want to support them you want to throw some cash their way yeah exactly and and like do you know how much of that 10 bucks actually even goes to the band yeah nothing probably a, probably nothing yeah har- <laughs> hardly any at all if anything yeah exactly yeah, unless you have a good promoter that you're working with like you're not really going to see a lot of money right oh yeah oh yeah and, and it it takes a long time yeah. to to get really like uh, honestly luckily we have uh a couple of really great promoters in the sacramento mm-hmm. area that have uh worked with us for a few years and are yeah are real homies and and actually pay bands yeah so 
we've we've been very lucky. Were you guys with, playing a lot of shows before the pandemic hit? Um, we did like a little. We played like five, like four or five shows in like mm-hmm. February of 2020, like right oh, really? before COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. So we were in. We did fucking we Vegas, um, Vegas, Santa Ana. We did San Jose and then Sacramento. So yeah, uh, four shows. And yeah, like we were super lucky to get those shows in because yeah, it was literally less yeah. than less than a month later. It was like okay, nothing. Yeah, world shut down. I have not seen any live music since February of that year. Uh, friends of mine played a show um, just in the town next door to where I live here, and I went and saw them. And then like literally like uh, I don't know two weeks later, it just like everything shut down. It fucking sucked. And so I haven't been out there. There was a couple. There's been a couple of live shows recently, but it's just been just felt weird you know what i mean like to go to places yeah. like you know like i'm i'm a type 1 diabetic so i'm like higher risk you know if i do catch it i'm oh, vaccinated yeah. but still it doesn't doesn't mean you can't have complications if you catch it and exactly so the world's been a weird place but uh so you guys haven't played at all then since since things have started back opening up or we played one show in um july t- almost 2 months ago mm-hmm. exactly um july 16th we played at Holy Diver in Sacramento, uh, headlining show, sold out, over 300 people. Cool. It was, it, dude, I it was it was both really cool and really really fucking weird at the same yeah. time. Cause yeah. Like I, I mean, like, like like yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, I was I was wearing my mask there. It was masks indoors, mm-hmm. outdoors, all that stuff at the at the venue. It, but it was just. It was nice, but it was weird. Yeah. And and but then since then, I I haven't gone to any shows. Um, we had we had a show planned in October, but we pulled out just because, like, I mean, it. Yeah. Not to say it wasn't. Not every show is worth it, but it was it was a little it was farther out than we normally go for just a single off show. Oh yeah. And and yeah, with everything else going on, we're just kind of like, and so. yeah, it's like you're you're weighing out the risk versus what the benefit would be, kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And and, and yeah, like it, we're it, and yeah, even the band being fully vaccinated, we're still just like mm-hmm. that. That show was really cool. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Very little little bit of anxiety and um, yeah, I can. Imagine. I mean, yeah. So we're, for for now, I don't think we have. I don't, we probably won't be um, playing any more shows mm-hmm. for the rest of the year, um, just because we are recording yeah. more music. Good. <laughs> um, and so we're like, okay, we'll just keep recording music until we. Yeah, can it, it doesn't hurt to keep getting tour. content ready to come out, right? Like, uh, and you know, you guys are doing it really well with with all the video content coming with the songs, because I think in this in this current like generation of music consumers i think you guys have really hit the nail on the head with how you're marketing yourselves you've definitely had a, a great um you've got a great instagram presence because you've got every song that comes out you've almost almost every song you've, you've got a video for which is incredible like especially off the new one and it just keeps people interested you know like attention spans are short but if you could put video to audio and that's one thing i've heard about this show is people have suggested that i make it like a you know like add video to it but i don't know i feel like the way I consume podcasts, I usually listen to them while I'm doing something. I'm not usually watching them if they do do even have video, so it doesn't really hasn't really appealed yeah. to to me just yet. But I think with with music, if you can put 
uh, basically a performance, like a video, most of your videos, you guys are performing in the video in, in at least some portion of it. And it gives people an idea of what it, what it's like to see you play live, even if they can't see you play live. So I think you guys have done it really well. Um, and I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but <laughs> I often do that. I'll, I'll get on a little rant and then I forget where I was going with it. Oh, I know where I was going with it. You, these streams, like the streams for like the the latest, uh, is it an album or an EP? This is five songs, so it's it's an EP technically, right? Yeah, yeah. It's technically an EP. So you've got a shitload of streams on this latest EP. Like Caffeine Dreams hit five hundred thousand streams last week or the week before. Uh, oh no, Caffeine, no. Um, Send Help, our song Send Help off of Attack on Robot Pirate yeah. Island hit another five hundred thousand. But um, Caffeine shit. Dreams. Yeah, Caffeine Dreams hit 100,000 streams. 100,000, sorry, yes, that's what it yeah. was. That was the post that I saw. Yeah. But that's insane. So, like, Send Help is that acoustic one that you guys did, yeah. right? And yeah. I wanted to ask you about that song, actually, because I was, I was listening to it today. That song, was it always meant to be an acoustic song, like, for that record? Did you did you purposely set out to, to write it as an acoustic tune for the record, or did it start off electric? Um. So, I could be getting this wrong, but... I'm fairly certain Send Help was half written when we were at the studio um, recording Attack on Robot Pirate Island. Mm-hmm. And um, me and the, uh, uh, me, Gavin and Gabe actually left a couple days earlier than Casey did. He stayed there longer to do more vocal stuff. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, I don't know if that was a song Casey had started, but they ended up recording it there. And Wow. Yeah, so when we got the first mixes back, I was like, what the fuck is... Actually, the, the song was... The working title was Sea Legs. And I was like, what the fuck is Sea Legs? <laughs> and, yeah, I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is a really good song. That's an awful name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I feel like I've heard worse, but I, I definitely think Send Help is a is a better a better title for it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like I, I just hearing it, and I just thought to myself, there's so many awesome like melodic guitar lines in that and leads. I just thought that would be an awesome song to hear, like an electric version of. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's it's an amazing acoustic track because it has all those like melodic lines and the vocals are great and and just it's recorded really well. It sounds great. And normally, like that's not my kind of my kind of tune to listen to those like slower like acoustic jams but that one's a really cool song and i'm really happy to hear that it's got that much success so it must have been what i saw must have been the hundred thousand k on caffeine and then a total of six hundred thousand k streams for like on spotify right yeah so i think it was a or i think it was a total of like five hundred thousand cross platform Oh, okay. Um, so, like, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Okay, yeah. Uh, all those. All... Still, it's still an incredible number. Like, so, y- ha- have you guys seen, like, your, your like, followership, like, go up since, like, you've been getting these, like, higher streams? Like, is it is it steady rising? Like, are you getting more notoriety? And Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, um, I, I like to check our, like, uh, numbers quite mm-hmm. often. Um, I'm really into that mm-hmm. part of the business actually Mm -hmm. um but yeah um it's cool especially on um spotify they have a really good artist uh app that gives you a lot of analytics really a lot Mm -hmm. of cool insights and yeah it's fun it's fun to watch um like like so i would say we went from like 
85% male demographic to like a 75, 25 really? now. Really? So yeah, we've been seeing a lot more women, um, uh, start to listen to our music, which is awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, music's for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On top of the streaming stuff, uh, alt press actually had that article about you guys being like, um, 13 artists who are reclaiming pop punk in 2021, yeah. the pop punk music scene in 21. That is yeah. fucking really impressive that you guys got noticed that way. How did, how did that come about? Did you guys even know that was, you guys were going to be part I, of that list? I had no fucking idea. Uh, fucking, I think, uh, I think Gavin sent like a screenshot of a screenshot that he got sent. Yeah. That, yeah. And I was like, like no and yeah i was like i was like oh oh holy shit okay and yeah i mean we're 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 listed next to some fucking huge bands that are that are coming up right now like 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 being in the same article as meet me at the altar i mean they're they're fucking killing the game Mm. right now so it to be included in in a list like that uh amongst so many extremely talented young people it's awesome oh dude it's fuck it's amazing like when i saw that like just in doing the research i always you know i've said this a number of times on the on the podcast but i always deep dive into like the into the uh instagrams or like the social media that the band has or the individual band members have and try to find stuff to just stuff to talk about interesting things that i come across and as soon as i saw that i'm like whoa i'm like that is like super impressive because nowadays like what i hear as being pop punk it's like very strange it's like it's not pump pop, pop punk and i know when i sent you sort of the outline of what i wanted to ask you about i mentioned some names like olivia rodrigo and young blood and um you know what's his name um like machine gun kelly Lil lotus people like that are putting out songs that people are, are citing as being pop punk but that's not pop punk to me and and if that's what it's shifted to if that's the new generation is considering pop punk okay but it doesn't really line up with what I remember as being pop punk or what I consider to be pop punk. So like for you guys to be included on a list, like of 13 artists who are reclaiming pop punk, that makes more sense to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the direction I think it should be going. Not these like, you know, rappers or pop artists that are delving into the quote unquote punk scene. Cause it's not punk as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. 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 The, the, the gripe I have the most about it is just like, it feels a little, feels a little fake. And like, I mean, what rubbed me the wrong way is I feel like there was a lack of respect mm. coming in. Um, uh, and not necessarily respect as in like, like, oh, cause, cause so honestly, when I think of like pop punk, mm-hmm. I, I was raised by my uncle's music taste and that was the fucking descendants oh, and wow. like yeah so i'm like i'm like no descendants is pop punk yeah. <laughs> um and so like like i think it was just a little brash to to and i mean like i guess that's how you have to be noticed mm-hmm. is you got to be a little little in in people's face mm-hmm. um i just think it it rubbed a few of the 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 older yeah i guess i don't know big air quotes yeah and that's bands and and, that's me right that's me i'm 39 like for me pop punk is bands like newfound glory blink 182 green day 
you know? Yeah. Bands like that are, are pop punk to me. And then, so when I when I hear these artists sort of, you know, they team up with Travis Barker and do one track, and all of a sudden they're considered a pop punk artist. It's like, not not really, guys. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You're you're jumping on a boat to try and, and, and I understand it. They, they want to reach out to different demographics, you know what I mean? And, and capture different audiences. I understand that. But like, it's just fucking weird to me to go so far out of your element to, to write a quote-unquote pop-punk song and yeah. team up with Travis Barker, and all of a sudden people are considering you pop-punk. Not quite, you know what I mean? Maybe you, maybe you made a pop-punk song on your record, but it doesn't make you a pop-punk artist, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and, and that's, that's I think that's where I, I land is, is he, he's, he wrote some modern, another air quote word, because what the fuck is modern? Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a modern punk song, air quotes. Um, but to say, yeah, to say that that is now what they are it is where it gets me a little, yeah, rubs me a little wrong. Cause, cause I mean, if in a perfect fucking world for me, what would have happened was he would release a couple songs like that on his rap album. Exactly, and then made that transition. Yeah. Then yeah. I I would have zero problem at all. But it was just the boom. I'm here whether you like it or not, and that was kind of a little jarring, mm-hmm. and, and it is to a lot of people. Yeah, it's disingenuous, but, right? Like you're yeah. you're calling yourself something you're not. You know, especially like Machine Gun Kelly. Like Machine Gun Kelly's not a pop punk artist. Like yeah. fuck off with all that shit. People are, oh, Machine Gun Kelly's. Have you heard the new pop punk stuff Machine Gun Kelly's doing? It's like, no, man, I haven't, because it's not pop punk. It's his yeah. rapping with a little bit of a twist to it and a different different music behind it, but it's not fucking pop punk, as far as I'm concerned. I mean I mean people you know tell me to fuck off and and but that's my opinion. Um but yeah, I I don't know. Uh I just was curious how you felt about all that stuff, being that you're you know, you're much younger than I am and and the scene you came up in is a lot different than the scene I came up in the band wise. But it sounds like we have a lot of crossover as well. You know what I mean? You listen to a lot of the older stuff because you, your uncle was into it as well. So uh Descendants was one I never really like super got into. Like I, I do like the Descendants, don't get me wrong, but they were never one of my favorites. For me it was always like, you know, no effects and bands like that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, all the all the fat records bands, propagandi. You know stuff like that. That the Fat Records has always kind of had my heart. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's 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 just a weird. It's a whole different time. But I, I'm happy to see these bands like yourselves coming around that are more in line with what I remember pop punk to be. You know what I mean? And yeah. and you're putting your own twist on it, which is great. But it still reminds me more of of my day of pop punk, which is probably just a selfish thing on my end, right? Just so I can feel nostalgic in some way for for the older music. <laughs> um. Let's uh let's go into your personal history a little bit because you play guitar. I play guitar. Uh, have you always been a guitar player, or did you start off on a different instrument? Yeah, always played guitar. Um, I started playing guitar when I was ten, ten years old, I think, is mm-hmm. when I got my first like like crappy first act guitar. Mm-hmm. And then my parents got really trashed one night and fucking broke it, <laughs> and I made them buy me a new one. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, and then they, then they got me a. It was a. It's an Epiphone Les Paul. Nice. Um, that was my first yeah. guitar too. Oh hell yeah! I still have it. <laughs> yeah. Oh nice. I I gave mine to my brother-in-law and he refurbished it. Oh, it looks cool. it looks so much better now. I'm like fuck. Can I have that back? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do to it? Do you strip it down and repaint it? Oh or? yeah, totally sanded it. Fucking re 
repainted it, refretted it. This this wow. guy like can can do anything and everything to a guitar, and yeah, it was like super buckle rashed and like like chipped and like it looked it was bad. It yeah. was in bad condition. And I was like, here you go, happy birthday. He's like, cool. But yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was my like first real guitar, and mm-hmm. then for I think my. 13th birthday i got a mexican strat a nice. fender stratocaster and i played that thing until 2016 or oh, 2017 shit. yeah i that's the only guitar i played i played that in drop c i played it in fucking drop d and standard mm-hmm. and i used that guitar for everything and it's with a humbucker in the bridge though um it was a uh hot stack so yeah, it was yeah, a humbucker yeah. but yeah just stack yeah, um, yeah yep and yeah stickers chip chipped paint um i there's a pressure crack on the back of the neck oh shit from i we were playing a show and i got like i don't know what happened i used to be a real fucking hothead but like i got really mad on stage and i took my guitar off and i smashed the neck of my guitar on my fucking amp and yeah i cracked it and it still plays oh yeah still plays just fucking fine yeah <laughs> as long like, as nothing okay. broke in half and came apart too badly exactly yeah. yeah i played i played that fender strat forever and then that's when i um so then 2016 2017 i got into the ltds because mm-hmm. uh, i'm a huge data remember fan and so i was like i was like oh what are they playing and like everyone freaking was playing mm-hmm. um those the uh, esps and the ltds the mm-hmm. eclipses and so i picked up um the the ltd ec1000 um played that still play that still have that guitar but then Last year, uh, during quarantine, I said fuck it, and I bought um, the LTD Neil Westfall signature guitar. So yeah, the, nice. The yeah, data remember yeah. signature. Yeah, mm-hmm. and holy crap, dude! I so I have a little box like practice amp mm-hmm. that I have at home, and I w- plugged it into that freaking guitar, and the humbucker was so hot that just like immediately was like feedback and i was like oh shit and i thought something was wrong with it mm-hmm. until i because i keep my actual amp and stuff um at gavin's where we all practice right and then, yeah and i went and i plugged it in there and i'm like oh this is great yeah i'm yeah. like my amp at home just cannot handle Can't take it. it yeah the active pickups are just so hot eh yeah and you're playing uh the pv stuff live still you have a 6505 or um i sold that but i'm playing the 5150 uh the mock threes that came out like i don't know like 2010s or something yeah Yeah. Um, i fucking love that amp it's a little 50 watt yeah um it's like you're talking about the evh 5150s or the like the pv 5150s it's the it's the EVH yeah. fifty one fifty. So yeah. the ones that were made by Fender, but like are branded yeah. EVH. Yeah, those are great yeah. amps, man. Great amps. Yeah. And and I freaking so before I had that, I had the uh uh oh the sixty five oh five plus. Yep. Um, and I was running that through the freaking EVH two twelve half cab. Mm-hmm. The the little freaking cab. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, switched over to the to the evh head too and i was like 
I hated that they were both EVH, but yeah. I was like, fuck, this sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's undeniable, man. I mean, like, those EVH products, like, when Eddie Van Halen left PV, like, I have a, a, a 5150, a PV5150 212 combo, original, like, built in USA yeah. in the 90s. Great fucking amp. It's my favorite amp. I'll never sell it. I used to have, like, a head, uh, a 5150 head, a hundred watt with the 412 Marshall cab, but it was way too much. So I sold that stuff years ago. <laughs> Regretted selling the head though, because the head was probably the greatest sounding amp I've ever had. Even my yeah. 5150 now doesn't really do it justice. It's, it's like a 60 watt. It's half, half the wattage, but yeah. um, I mean, it's plenty fucking loud. It just, I think those hundred watt 5150s just had a, a magic to them. You know what I mean? They something, yeah. actually I think they were like 120 watt because of the way the, the tubes were, and, uh, but yeah, like, so, so that American high gain sound, like the PV sound is to me and, and, and to be honest, like the EVH sound, because when he went to Fender and had them make those EVH amps, he really was trying to emulate what he had in the, in the PV stuff. Like, yeah. and it sounds, they all sound great. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of that stuff. So, so I definitely feel you on the, the matching. I, I usually, when I had the head and cab, I liked having the Marshall cab and the PV head, but yeah. That was only because I had seen other bands do it, and I knew that the sound was good. If if the cab and the head match in brand, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and freaking, because I was looking at, um, I was looking at like the, so I had a, God, I don't, I don't even remember what brand it was, but it was some four twelve, and like I was so sick of carrying that thing. Yes. I, and so I downgraded or downgraded big fucking air quotes. I yeah. upgraded yeah. to the 212 and like, dude, yeah, I was looking at the Mesa 212s and those, those cabs are like 600 bucks. Yeah. Like 600 to 700. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the EVH cab and I read the description and I literally pulled up the Mesa and the freaking uh, EVH building things. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Okay, they're the same fucking amp, except the EVH is about four hundred dollars, and this one's like seven. So, yeah, I bought the EVH, and it's the best investment I've ever. Oh yeah. Done good guitar wise, and I tell all my friends, I'm like, I'm like, dude, get rid of your four twelve, get a two twelve, just get a two twelve. Like, why? Well, why? Well, why? And I'm like, you can pump as much power out of that two twelve as that four twelve, and it weighs literally half the way yeah so <laughs> and, and i mean like you you don't have to lug a 412 these days most venues if you're if you're in like a a band that's that's big enough to play bigger venues it's all going to be mic'd anyway you're yeah. going to move plenty of enough air for stage monitoring with a 212 and if you're if you're playing a smaller venue like a like a bar or something that doesn't have that aren't going to mic up the amps a 212 will still move plenty of enough air to fucking fill that i played our last show yeah. we played in a in a bar it was 200 people we were sold out max and I used the 50, 50, 212 and I had it at like at volume four when I first turned it on and everyone's like way too loud, turn it down. Like, yep. And that's only a 60 watt amp. So yep. gone are the days where you needed to feel like you needed a 412 to, to fill a room. You don't need that. And, and lugging it around is stupid. My 212 combo already weighs a hundred pounds as it is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I had a 50 pound head and then another cab that was like 80 pounds and had to lug all that shit, fuck that. Th those days are gone. You know, yep. you don't need to do it anymore. Um, so you started playing, did you take lessons when you were a kid? Like how, how much formal training do you have? Yeah. So, uh, I think I took guitar lessons for about the first year, year and a half. Um, 
I mostly learned jazz. Um, really? Learned how to read music. Yeah. Um, learned, learned all the jazz scales and the blues scales, which is what I was really into because, I mean, that's what, like... Yeah, me too. OG yeah. punk rock is based off of yeah. the fucking blues. So I was like, dude, show me every blues chord, every freaking... Every scale you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I took formal lessons for about a year, year and a half, and then uh, everything after that was just... No shit, that's it? Go. Just just yeah. for like a year and a half? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was not... I, I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to... I mean, at, at freaking, yeah, at 11, 12 years old, I was like, I was like, no, I just want to play Green Day. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 I'll take my guitar in, into the garage and I'll just listen to Green Day. Yep. I'll make sure my guitar's in tune and I'll just figure it out from there. That's exactly what I did. I So I took lessons as a kid too, but I was never a theory guy because I had such a hard time retaining theory, especially when I was younger because it was so boring. And I just... yeah. If I find something boring, I have no attention span to learn it or whatever. So, but like, how is your theory now though? Like, have you kept up with it? Like, are you a theory guy or are you kind of more just, no, oh, not so at all, all your stuff is just sort of pure creativity. It just comes to you. Like you yeah. just play what you hear in uh, your head. Yeah. Gavin is hardcore into theory. Really? Um, he, yeah. He plays in like math rock bands and stuff. So, I mean, he's like, he's like Mr. Change time signatures mm-hmm. in the middle of a fucking beat. And I'm like. I can count to four. <laughs> um, um, I mean, like, I know, I know, like, basic theory. Yeah. Um, but again, like, basic theory is extremely basic. So, I mean. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. But, like, your your writing clearly is, like, you know, you, you clearly have a lot more creativity than I do because I cannot come up with the melodic lines that you guys do. But it's it's cool that at least you had that foundation and that you went to blues. Cause that's what I was into when I was a kid too. That's what I wanted to learn. And what I, what I did was I went to this teacher and he was a great guy, but he just, you know, he'd asked me what I wanted to learn and I didn't know how to articulate what I was wanting to learn. So he would always just end up teaching me songs. He'd be like, Oh, let's just learn a song today. And it's like, well, that's all yeah. fine and good, but I want to learn how to actually play. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and then I kind of lost my taste for the, the lessons altogether and stopped going kind of like you and just started learning how to train my ear and, and learning how to figure out the stuff I like to play by ear. Right. So, yeah. And, um, so we talked about your amps. How did you get into punk music? Like, were you, like you said, your uncle kind of introduced you to it. And so, dude, I mean, my, so I can remember being like, yeah, 2000. Yeah. I'm like four, five years old. Um, Enema of the State just came out, and that was all yeah. my mom fucking listened to. Really? Like, my mom was hardcore. So, my mom my mom dated a couple famous musicians back in the day. I'm not going to out her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I used to date some fucking punk musicians and um, grew up in the Orange County fucking punk scene. Cool. So, yeah, she was all grown up. I mean, she's... She's an extremely lovely woman. I mm-hmm. love my mom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, growing up, it was it was fucking Blink One Eighty Two. It was Bloodhound Gang, uh, Nirvana, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Green Day. Like it, yeah. So from a very young age, and then in in my teenage years, like thirteen, fourteen, when I really started getting really angsty, was when my uncle uh, showed me the Descendants, and they showed me he showed me their song Parents. Yeah. Um, 
and so yeah immediately i was like yeah parents why won't they shut up i'm like fuck yeah dude and then dude I, it was just over the deep end at like 13 and then yeah it was no effect fuck it and i mean i can name off a hundred thousand bands yeah, but yeah. It, it started pretty pretty young for me and um i blame my mom that's awesome that you had that like exposure from her though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, I don't know many people that that grew up with their parents listening to punk of any kind, let alone like that newer, like, like, you know, the quote unquote at my, at, when I was that age, like the newer punk, like the newer pop punk stuff. I don't know anyone that like grew up listening to that with their parents. So that's amazing that you had that exposure via her. And then your uncle, of course, like introducing you to the more, like, like you said, like the angsty kind of stuff, like the more actual, like, quote unquote punk rock you know what i mean like yeah. the descendants that's amazing did you listen to like oh, yeah. you said you listened to the metalcore stuff as well so when yeah. when when did you start getting into that around the same time like did you kind of listen to all that stuff at the same time yeah so about like i'd say when i turned probably like 15 was when um i really got into uh yeah metalcore mm-hmm. yeah about 2010 yeah so yeah 14 15 Mm -hmm. and i i used to talk to this uh girl that was a few years older than me and she was like big into fucking like metalcore and stuff and she showed me attila back in like 2010 like right after um rage had come out and all that shit right when they were like up on their up and up Mm -hmm. and then um i i knew this other actually funny enough i had a lot of women introduce me to like hard harder music this is crazy um i had this well, there friend, you go blows my, blows my theory right out of the fucking water uh, no <laughs> fuck man uh, i'm blowing my own mind right now <laughs> but yeah i had this other friend um kelsey who <laughs> was like hey you want to you want to go see this fucking hardcore band and i'm like okay and i like didn't really know like i had never actually been to like a hardcore show or like mm. anything so the show I show up to is fucking Chelsea Grin, and I've never heard them before. Mm. I'm like familiar with like metalcore, but not deathcore. Right. And dude, yeah, at like 15, I was like, then I got into deathcore, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, these brutal gutturals. I'm like, yeah, let's go into the mosh pit, like let's fuck people up. And then I grew up and was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I still enjoy the music, but the the culture is fucking stupid. Yeah, I never really understood that myself. Like, and I know, like, you still see it at punk shows. Like, not that I'm going to a ton of punk shows these days, but you know, in my younger years, everyone's shoving each other like so hard and like almost yeah. like beating each other up. It's like, fuck, this isn't this isn't enjoyable. I want to see <laughs> exactly. this band play. I want to I want to study the guitarist gear and like you know what I mean? exactly. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I, I got out of that real quick. Yeah, it's like, for it's oh, for the younger kids for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Who were some of your guitar heroes growing up? Like, who did you who did you look up to when you when you were playing? Um, uh, Tom DeLonge. Um, I I had the worst guitar posture on the face of the planet because <laughs> of that son of a bitch. Yeah. I fucking full on like hunched over, like playing beneath my fucking knees, yeah. like, um. But yeah, as far as sound goes, um, definitely Tom from from Blink, definitely mm-hmm. Billy Joe. Um, but then a lot of that, uh, funny enough, Attila is a weirdly big influence on the band, both Casey mm-hmm. and I. Um, just that, I mean, obviously we're not as riff or like shred heavy in any sense, but just that that I don't know, kind of the feel to their music like mm. like 
yeah, Franz is a fucking douche, but fuck the energy. God damn. <laughs> well, I so, think that's what like a lot of us like fall in love with this kind of music is the energy, right? It's like the first time I heard like a, you know, that like uh, what Smelly from No Effects calls the the butt fuck titty fuck beat that you know. Yeah. The first time I heard yep. that, I was like, "Holy shit, what is that?" You know what I mean? It just like grabbed yeah. me. It's fucking amazing. The posture thing is, I, before I forget, I wanted to say that, that I totally feel you on that because I had the same exact experience. And it was like from watching bands like Green Day, you know what I mean? Billy Joe, like how low that strat was. And I tried to play my guitar like that for a long time. And same thing. Like it's almost impossible to play any kind of lead stuff like that, right? Like, oh, that, yeah. That's cool if you're just strumming power chords. But when you start trying to play leads, you can't play like that shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, like I can't fucking reach half my guitar. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah. And I like it looks cool, but like yeah, oh, it looks cool. It doesn't doesn't do anything for your playing. Yeah, or your back. (laughs) What was the scene like when you came up? Did you go to a lot of shows as like as a teenager? Yeah, I went to uh, I went to a lot of shows. Um, It was really cool. So um, there was a venue about twenty twenty five minutes away from um, my house. Uh, It was called the Boardwalk, and they had like the if you were if you were an up and coming fucking band you played there. Um, I God, I literally can't name off all the bands that I've seen there. But yeah, the Boardwalk um, that was that was a really big place to go. Um, not so much anymore. Um, kind of a shit show yeah. there. Yeah, pretty much no one plays there it's a pretty hmm. dead venue at this point um but then we had the bigger venues like um ace of spades in downtown sacramento um loved going there um went to a bunch of shows there uh back in the day it was it was really awesome because uh down the street was like this kind of like so in, in the middle of downtown fucking sacramento there was this like li- little dirt patch like down the street from this venue and it was the only place in sacramento that you could park for free oh and so you show up at like the show starts at like six you show up at like two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> so you can go park there yeah and then you just go fucking smoking and drinking out in this freaking parking lot yeah. like yeah, yeah it's, you look to the left it's the city you look to the right it's the city you look right in front of you it's just this fucking field it's like what the fuck is going on here that's not there anymore though <laughs> fuck us right how far uh, was Sacramento from where from where you grew up then? Like, how far did uh, you have to travel for these shows? Forty minutes. That's not bad. That's close. Yeah. 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 yeah we were super. I was super lucky. Um, because yeah, all, the venue, big venue, Ace of Spades, is about forty, forty-five minutes away. Oh. Boardwalk was like twenty minutes away. Um, and it was yeah, it was cool because I'd say up until about. 2016 2015 was really the last good year for concerts mm. in our area i would personally say mm. um but yeah we had everyone coming through um and then we also had to we also have some really cool diy venues um we've got venues like the colony on stockton boulevard super super ghetto super ghetto mm-hmm. but it's like you can get like maybe 60 people in there. Oh, wow. And like the stage is like about three inches off the ground. Yeah. And it's the fucking best. Yeah. <laughs> like you get the, you, you literally, you just shove as many kids in as you can. You shut the door behind them and you go, okay, don't fucking break anything. Let's go. <laughs> 
it's so funny playing places like that. Like like I said, the last the last show we played before the pandemic was at this bar that no longer exists. It, it closed down. We, I think we might have been like the last band that played there. It was this place called the Kiwi here in the city we live in, Cambridge. And they like um uh, the stage is like, like you said, it's like a four inch or five inch stage. So like people in the back, all they see is your head, like you're playing. They can't even see like your, your yeah. instruments or anything. Right. It's like a really weird thing, but those shows always feel so cool. Cause like everybody's packed in there tight. You know what I mean? Like they're, the attention is like, is on you. There's not much like room for people to sort of break off in these little groups. You feel like you're playing to, to nobody. You know what I mean? It's nice yeah. to feel like the attention is actually there on you and you feel good about playing the show, but yeah. I wish the stage was just a little bit higher. You know what I mean? Those like low stages yeah. always fucking kind of feel weird to me. Oh yeah, totally. Cause yeah, it's like, yeah, you're just barely off the ground. So you just feel oddly tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's been all the, basically all the shows I've, I've never played any big places like in my life, but but the band that I'm a part of have like it back in the day when they were pick, trying to pick up some success, like in the, in the early two thousands, they played some places like in Toronto, like the horseshoe, the horseshoe tavern, which is like a pretty, pretty notable venue. It's a, it's a small club, but it's like, or a bar, but it's like a lot of big names come through there and it's got a proper stage and lighting. You know what I mean? Like that. I've always wanted to play one of those shows too, just for that experience. So yeah. I'm hoping that one day we can, if we continue to, continue this thing we can sort of start <laughs> playing some bigger places instead of a place where you got to stand on the floor to play <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um and do you still here's it's kind of might be a weird question but are you still driving that yellow matrix that i saw on your instagram dude i fucking wish <laughs> so this is a great story i mean it's not a great story because it has to do with like like medical stuff but oh. like it's totally cool <laughs> yeah. don't worry about it so i fucking loved that car that was a 2004 toyota matrix xrs six speed that nice. motherfucker was a six speed manual yeah i didn't redline until 8200 rpm yeah. Yeah. i went 40 miles per hour in first gear <laughs> on that note <laughs> i so i was taking so i was at work and one of my bosses needed to go get his blood pressure medication from um, from the pharmacy, like in the middle of work, because mm -hmm. he was like fucking freaking out. And so I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I'll take you. Like, no problem." And so we're we're driving, and I'm at a stop. I'm at a stoplight. I fucking black out, and I wake up in the hospital. I apparently had a fucking seizure Holy and shit. drove my car into the car next to me. Holy like, shit. Wrecked my fucking car. My boss in the passenger seat had to rip the e-brake, wow. like control my car. Like I full on smashed into this person, woke up in the hospital, like three hours later, no idea what had happened. The doctors were at the, the foot of my bed and they're like, yeah, he had a seizure and uh, crashed his car. And I sat up and I went, holy shit who <laughs> and they look at me and they're like you know where you are and i'm like i have no idea where i am actually and so yeah i got got the the whole fucking story told to me turns out i have epilepsy holy and like shit yeah didn't didn't know until i was 23 wow so yeah and but you've never had seizures before in the past no no none and so so that one happened they gave me a bunch of fucking tests and then um i ended up having another seizure like a couple months later and they did a bunch of more tests and yeah determined that i had epilepsy 
and they're like yeah sometimes it just doesn't manifest until later in life and i'm like that's fucking terrifying yeah. like but i'm totally fine medicated like i can play shows like funny enough the type of epilepsy i have isn't necessarily triggered by lights oh good so like i like i don't i'm not a high risk for right. that and because i'm such a low risk i can still have like my driver's license and shit oh, nice. they just good. count yeah they just counted it as like a lapse of consciousness yeah sort of thing yeah. I, yeah totally fine but yeah i have epilepsy and it's i didn't know until i was like 23 and i was super pissed because so i crashed that car my boss was able to drive the car back to work and like the car was in working condition mm -hmm. still fucking drove went to my insurance and my insurance was like yeah dude no it's too too wrecked you're not like we'll send you a check for uh, for what it's worth and yeah. i was like fuck okay i get on the phone with the insurance guy and i'm i'm telling him i'm like bro that there's only x amount of this car made in this color this is a super rare fucking mm -hmm. like car blah, blah blah and he goes okay he's like well how did how does sixty six hundred dollars sound and i went okay i paid sixty five hundred yeah. for the car yeah, I so say, i made a hundred dollars crashing it yeah <laughs> You know what? Insurance companies can be pretty reasonable. I've, I've had different experiences over the years. I've never like uh, written off a car, but I've definitely had experiences where like I've had to claim stuff through through insurance. Like like we had a flood at my parents' house and a bunch of my crap got wrecked. And you know, sometimes they're just they're pretty easy going. It depends on who the adjuster is. You know what I mean? So yeah. for you to get sixty six hundred bucks for the car, that's good. And yeah. you probably could have got a good replacement for it. You won't get uh, good luck finding another yellow XRS. Oh, you know, not happening. I've yeah. never seen one. I'm yeah. a big Toyota fanboy. That's why I was asking you. Like, uh, for years, I drove Volkswagens, and they were nothing but fucking lemons for me. Every Volkswagen I had just had nothing but problems. It was always in the shop. Cost me a fortune. I, I bought one for ten grand one time, and I think I spent over the next five years another ten grand fixing it up, like oh, repairs. So, and then I sold it for like two grand. You know what I mean? So like, oh, it, just the biggest lemon. Then I've had like a I have a Scion now, and my wife, uh, sort of our like joint car that like it's really like for her, but she works from home now. For the most part, so our our second car is a a forerunner, um, and like and we've had we had a Rav a Rav four before that forerunner for yes. years, dude. Fucking dude. years. We drove it for ten years almost. Ah, uh, like maybe seven or eight years, and it you know it cost us no money. It was never broke down. The fuck thing was reliable as hell. Good on fuel. Like just I can't say enough about Toyota anymore. You know they're they're yeah. my new fave. Oh, dude, my uh, my my fucking fiance. Uh, when we first met, she had an O five Rav four, mm -hmm. and uh, it had two hundred and eighty nine thousand miles on it, and that was after her dad mm -hmm. manually reset it back because it literally wouldn't pass smog because of how high the mileage <laughs> count was. Yeah. And so she she ended up giving it to her brother's now ex-girlfriend who still had it for like another two years yeah. after. And she was she I think she I think she ended up selling it for like like a grand yeah. because it couldn't pass any smog or anything. But the dude she fucking sold it to was like, I don't care. I'm not going to register it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are like California is super tight on on smog stuff like emission yeah. stuff. So so it's. I bet you if it was up here, that thing would still be on the road. Something like, oh yeah, legitimately on the road. Like mine, ours had, uh, uh, like not that high of. We're in kilometers, obviously, so we're like two hundred and it was like two hundred and forty thousand kilometers, maybe. 
when yeah. I gave it to my dad. Uh, and which is like enough, but that's like pretty low mileage for a Toyota. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they fucking things go forever. They're yeah. just so reliable. And it's like, I just, we love that truck. It just started to get a little rusty and, and we want, we wanted something a little bit bigger. We've always wanted a, I've always wanted a forerunner and my wife kind of fell in love with them too. So we've gone that way. And like the things just, they just go and go and go as long as you maintain them, you know, change oil on them, keep an eye on shit. Like you can have them fucking oh, ever, yeah. you know? They're, they're so easy. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of stuff you listen to these days? You, are you into any new bands lately or, or are you kind of listen to the same old stuff you've always listened to? Um, recently, well, freaking, I, I mentioned real quick, the dude, um, drew that produced the talk on robot pirate Island, his band unwell. Um, they're really fucking solid. Um, I've been digging them. Uh, another band is, uh, fucking Belmont. Yeah, I love Belmont. Yeah, Belmont's fucking awesome, man. Like, like, honestly, dude, they. I don't know. Do you know about their history at all? Like, I don't know how long they've been a band or anything. Like, I just came across one of their tunes on Spotify, and it just like launched me on this thing. But I've never really dug into them, I, other than like having them in my in my playlist. I, I haven't really like done any research on Belmont. So, if if my memory serves me correct, um, so I'm part of this Facebook group called the Revive Easy Core Group. Easy core, um, easy core. Yeah. Do you know what easy core? No, is? I don't. Uh, okay, I'll get, I'll, I'll get back to that. But um, uh, a couple of the members of Belmont were in that Facebook group um for years, so I think they've been a band since at least like twenty sixteen. Um, because they're younger yeah, guys too, right? Like they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been following them for a, a couple of years now, and they. They've changed they fucking rip. Their fucking guitar but, um, work is so techy, man. Like like they got a song called Overstepping. That's like yeah. one of my favorite fucking songs ever. The song yep. is great, man. Dude, yeah. But so so what so Easy Core is um pop punk mixed with hardcore. Oh, okay. Uh, it it comes from a day to remember and Newfound Glory did a tour in two thousand eight called the I think it was like the Let's Get Easy Core tour. Uh, okay. Or something like that. And and so the yeah, this pseudo fucking subgenre of <laughs> easy core was created, yeah. uh, which is pop punk with like breakdowns basically. Yeah, so like yeah. Chunk No Captain Chunk. Yeah. Um another great band, Chunk No Captain Chunk. Some of the the new songs they just put out are real fucking crazy. Um if you haven't heard them, I think uh I think the song Bitter that they just came out or one of the new songs that just came out has a fucking saxophone solo on it. <laughs> and I was just like... That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, this is fucking sick. What's the band like, called? What's the band called? Uh, Chunk No Captain Chunk. They're from uh, France. Huh. I got to look them up. I'm just writing it down yeah. because that sounds hilarious. Uh, friends of mine are getting together a new album and they're actually like it's a it's a pop punk record or punk record and they're they've actually got some weird instruments on there i think saxophone is going to be part of that as well so hell yeah yeah they're yeah their newer stuff is is really fucking cool and then yeah their their past albums are definitely like it, it's it's death core in major keys with lyrics about friendship yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, that's what I was talking about with with kind of your sound earlier on. Like it's it's poppy, very melodic, but then like those elements in there that give it a lot of balls, right? Like yeah. there's something to be said for mixing those genres, and I and there are bands that 
I mean, certainly there have been bands that have done it well, but there have been a lot that have done it terribly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it puts yeah. me off. Like, even A Day to Remember, like, I was never a huge, super fan of A Day to Remember, but more lately, as I'm, like, getting older and, like, listening back to some of the older stuff, it's actually really good. My biggest beef with them is their, is the lyrics. They're a little bit too, a little bit too on, like, the soft side for my liking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, uh, besides that, I mean, they're great musicians. The songs are great songs. Don't get me wrong. That drum playthrough that Gavin did, we were talking about at the start start of the episode here. He so he's got like all of his own like instruments at home. He, like he's he's basically a multi instrumentalist. He's playing guitar. You you, you kind of said that he's he's written some guitar stuff. Does he play on the records as well when you guys record? Do you guys all sort of share that duty, or do you mostly record the guitar stuff? Um, I I record everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. He'll he'll write like like the like defeated he wrote all the guitar for yeah. it and then i basically went in learned it and then went hey this doesn't work in this spot and kind of changed it from mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Um, but yeah no, um well so actually i i just moved <laughs> mm-hmm. so i i moved down to orange county um, oh, okay. so i i left a guitar and like my my nice amp up there for when uh, i come up for practices mm-hmm. but yeah he has his own he has his own guitars his own bass he's like he just makes music constantly that's incredible like yeah like i'll come over and he'll be like oh i made this like i'm i wrote this jazz fusion song and i'm like okay there's like three guitars track there's a bass track there's a full drum track how long have you fucking been working on this it's like a day or so i'm like jesus dude like yeah yeah how far is oc from where you guys practice then uh five hours driving <laughs> no shit you're that far or away now. eight hours eight hours driving my oh bad. my god yeah so i i i basically um i i just moved last month so i come up like once once to twice a month i'll fly up um but then besides that all the rest of them practice every single week yeah. so yeah. i'm basically there for two practices now um just because like i i had like a situation down here where i'm more or less able to live rent free wow and yeah so i'm like okay and like we're doing like like we're already writing another album so i'm like okay yeah. i need to like I, I wanted to like basically isolate yeah and yeah. like just hash out head down shit. yeah yeah. So are you and, working a day job then or are you just focusing on music right now? Um I'm technically working, I guess, yeah. not not uh on the books anywhere. Yeah. Um I cook before before I moved, I was actually um sous chef and head butcher of a casino in Oh Northern wow. California. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so um I'm doing cooking work and cooking consulting work for restaurants. Nice. Uh here and there. Um not not necessarily my favorite thing consulting i love yeah. to cook cooking i like and especially butchering like my big giant knives and the bandsaw and the whole fucking nine yeah. yards dude yeah. that's my jam holy um, shit yeah not not many people will freelance and mm. just like under the table work for that because mm. it's kind of dangerous mm-hmm. so but yeah i'm i'm just doing some cooking stuff nice. here and there did you go to school for like culinary stuff or no nah. just kind of picked nah. it up like working in the industry yeah, so I was uh, I started working in restaurants when I was eighteen, um, and then my parents left for Oregon 
when I was 19, and I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not going to Oregon. Oregon, yeah, in California, yeah." And yeah, I got a got a job at a local casino, and literally worked my way up from a grunt to yeah, I was I was people's bosses. I ran the nice. meat department, and it was a lot of fun. And it sucked leaving because it was something I enjoyed. But I was yeah. like, "Sounds like it was I a good to, gig, yeah." Oh yeah, but I was like, yeah, I have this opportunity to go. Mm-hmm. kind of do music mm-hmm. as full time as I can. Right. So. Yeah. And that's like, that's why I was curious. Cause like all these, you know, it sounds, I know it sounds like a lot, like having 600 streams across all the platforms combined, like all this stuff. It's a lot of streams, but at the same time, you know, you hear of these art, big artists having millions of streams and they're, they're making like almost no money from, from the stream. So I can imagine you're not probably not making a lot of cash off that, but like, I was wondering if you guys had found at least enough success, you know, before the pandemic with like, um, you know, just playing shows and, and, and making the music to, to make a living, but it sounds like you guys are still working some day jobs. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We're all, um, so yeah, I'm still working day job. The, mm. the, the only person that doesn't actually work a day job is Casey, but that's because, uh, he runs his clothing brand hauntless. Oh wow. uh, yeah. And they, he started blowing up really, really big. Nice. Um, actually during the pandemic, um, which worked out really well because he was able to make the transition into, um, he was able to buy actually a screen print. So he nice. makes all his own shirts for his brand now. Yeah. Um, and so actually, honestly, the pandemic was probably like the best thing to happen for him. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to Forced be like, all right. It, right. Yeah, it, exactly. And then, um, uh, yeah, sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> uh, just if whether you guys were able to be like successful enough so far to to be able to just focus on music and not have to work the day jobs. But like I said, it sounds like you guys are working day jobs. Even Casey with yeah. that clothing business. I mean that that is a day job. That is his yeah. his business, his baby. And the fact that the pandemic kind of forced his hand to sort of focus on that almost full time, right? Which is like oh, a, yeah. a great thing for someone with a small business. Like you almost have to dedicate yourself to it a hundred percent if you ever wanted to be anything and it sounds like it worked out for him so far yeah yeah and actually yeah, what's that, that was, brand called sorry hot uh hauntless h-a-u-n-t-l-e-s-s the uh, yeah hauntless. horror and uh horror graphic hmm. goodness <laughs> i'm gonna check it out man that sounds fucking amazing i want to i want to check it out oh uh, yeah i'd like to talk to him too i hope like uh um, I I don't even know if I follow. I don't think I follow him on Instagram. I think I just follow you and Gavin. But um, maybe I'll reach out and see if uh, I can work something out with him. It sounds like that'd be a that'd be a cool thing to talk about. Like I I have this crazy thing about people. Not a crazy thing. I mean, it's it's. I think it's a pretty common thing among, amongst people that work day jobs like I do, uh, that have these other passions like music and, and whatever else. And like in your case, cooking. In Casey's case, the the, the clothing brand. But whenever I see somebody doing something that they love for a living or that they've started created a business on their own and, and that's what's making their like paying their bills it's so it's such a fucking romantic idea to me and i know it's a lot of hard work but there's nothing that i really none of my talents really translate that way right so whenever somebody actually like figures something out and branches out in that way it's so interesting to me and i always just want to hear all about it so that'd be some definitely something i'd want to talk to him about besides obviously his participation in this band but um but it's amazing to have that that side thing to talk about too. If I ever get a oh, chance yeah. to speak with him, oh yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, that 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 whole side of it, dude. He's he's so fucking busy all the time. I'm oh, like, I believe it. Like I'll like hit him up and be like, "Yo, what are you doing?" He's like, 
bro, I'm on hour 12 printing t-shirts. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean like printing t-shirts, but it's like, it's what he wants to be doing. So who yeah. cares? 12 hours. Like, oh yeah, I've worked a lot of jobs that I haven't liked for 12 hours. You know what I mean? Cause I want oh, yeah. overtime or whatever. And it's like, fuck, it sucks. Right. But if you're doing something you like, it doesn't really feel like work anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, do you know the company stupid rad merch? They're like, they do a lot of like, um, or not a lot, but like some of the bands on fat records, like they do their merch and stuff like that. And, and they're a small business too, kind of started like, um, from what I understand, I, I was, I actually was in talks with having the owner of that company on for a podcast as well. And then it kind of fell off the tracks. They, I think he had some family stuff happen and then we kind of lost touch, but I'm going to reach out to him again because that's another story. Like they started as a pretty small business. They've just moved into like a bigger warehouse and they're now producing more, more, um, merch than ever for these all these different bands and and it's just it's such a like again to me like it's so romantic to think fuck i wish i had some kind of talent that i could do that branch out and do my own thing you know what i mean yeah what about touring in the future like are you guys i know you're you said you're writing a new record you're gonna try get recording pretty soon by the sounds of it yeah so um as far as touring um i mean it's uh, funny enough it touring it's super hard um mm-hmm. and not not even not even the like logistics of getting there to, to place to place it's fucking booking it mm-hmm. like so uh november of 2019 i started booking a month and a half long tour uh for for lonely avenue for the summer of 2020 and i booked the entire thing mm. it took it took like four or five months to book I bet. like i i like locked in the last booking date like literally the beginning of march and it was for june and yeah it freaking obviously that didn't happen um and it, but yeah as as far as touring goes like we're we're trying so so hard to to figure out like a good route to go yeah and um figuring out tough with the pandemic going on still too right yeah and and it's especially hard because like a lot of the contacts that i had made um aren't venues anymore yeah yeah like i i would say probably a quarter of the venues just aren't there anymore like like i've gone to their facebook pages and i'm like oh okay you don't exist anymore, so... Yeah, it was rough on those venues. The, the pandemic's been rough on all those, like, music venues. A lot of restaurants, small restaurants, like, they just couldn't survive, right, without the without the, yeah. the money flowing in. But what about working with, like, a booking agency? Have you ever thought about that? Like, or or are you working with a booking agency? Yeah, so um, we, we've been trying to look for, for agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like whenever we get hooked up with one, they always go under. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we've we've uh, we had two agencies literally go under in mm. like the couple weeks after they oh, we had agreements with them. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're definitely looking at at new at other booking mm. agents too. Because um, I mean, we took we took the last year off of looking for anything show related for yeah. obvious reasons mm-hmm. but yeah now yeah. we're like especially since we we played that um headlining show in sacramento and uh, sold out before before doors so i mean like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's pretty fucking good if you ask yeah. me. Oh, hundred percent, I mean, man. That's that's great. Uh, and that's why I was asking because I'm I'm thinking like you're getting like you're getting some more like you're getting noticed more with the with these streams across these platforms and you're you're showing up on lists and like like alt press had that had that article about you like i would think that as soon as the pandemic does get better and and touring starts getting easier i would think you guys would want to be hitting the road but i know it's of course i know it's not easy and touring doesn't always pay you know all that great because you're trying to make money off merch and all these other things and of course it's tough to do that and still be able to eat on the fucking road you know yeah but uh but being like on the label you're on, what was the band that you, the bigger band that you said was on that label with you guys? Um, the Neck Deep used Neck to be Deep. on the label. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, they right. they uh they, yeah they were, they're on Fearless Records mm, okay. now. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, Neck Deep was like the first big band in like 2015 that mm. that made the record label blow up. Ah, I was just wondering if maybe the record label would hook you up with with someone like that and then send you send you out right because obviously you want to draw as many people as possible. And if you've got a big name act that you can sort of go out with or that's willing yeah. to take you out, like that'll, that could be a big boost too. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's um other things that we've been uh, working on. We've been talking to some other bands mm-hmm. about, um, about, yeah, basically yeah. hopping on half or quarter tours right. um, and then booking our own stuff. Mm-hmm around what we don't have filled yep yep well good man it sounds like you guys are on like a good path i i'm really like excited to hear the the new stuff because like like i said like the old stuff's great i i like it too don't get me wrong but this this new newest ep i think is really well done and i think you guys are filling a hole um or or a gap that's been you know that i've been missing sort of in the in the new this new punk scene lately and uh i wish you guys all the success in the world i really hope that um um, you know, you continue to to get the streams and get the exposure, and hopefully one day I'll be seeing you guys come through Canada, which would be amazing. Uh, yeah. If not, I am gonna, I am planning. I mean, I, I've been saying this for a long time now. I said this on the last few shows, but I am planning on getting down to California at some point. Um, we can. I don't think we can travel down there still, uh, even fully vaxxed. I don't know if they're letting Canadians down to the states yet, but I was originally gonna come in October. But things have not, they're not looking good for that timeline. So when I do come down, maybe I'll reach out to you and see if you guys are playing anywhere in the, in the time, try to book my, my trip around it and catch you guys while I'm down there. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Thanks for being on again, man. I really appreciate it. I'm, we're getting close to time here and, and I, I actually have to be boogieing out of here. I got to, I got somewhere to be in about 45 minutes. But uh, I want to thank you so much for your time again today, man. It was great talking to you and meeting you. Uh, let's keep in touch and, and do this again. Maybe next time you and Gavin can be on together and we can discuss a little bit of that stuff. Maybe I'll get uh, Casey on or, or you and Casey together, whatever, man. Whatever we can do to, to set that stuff up, I'd be happy to do it. Talk about the new album when it comes out, all that kind of stuff. Hell yeah. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. It was great having you. So don't go away. I always uh, do a quick wrap up and then I come back and talk to the the guests a little bit and say a proper goodbye to you. Um, But let me get this shit out of the way first. Thanks, everybody. That's episode 23 of the I Got Asked podcast. Um, Thank you for listening again. If you're a returning listener, uh, if this is your first time here, be sure to uh, hit subscribe uh, on our Facebook page and follow the Instagram page. Um, Subscribe to the show wherever you listen is a big help to me. 
and uh, rate it if you want. Uh, rating apparently does wonders on Apple Podcasts, I guess. That's what, that's what I've been hearing. I'm not a huge, huge into the business end of this thing yet, but apparently if you rate me there, uh, it helps me. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, if you don't know the Instagram page, it's just at I Gotta Ask Podcast, very easy to find. And do me a solid and follow my personal page, which is uh, Ol Surly at O-L underscore S-U-R-L-Y. Um, you can find Lonely Avenue on uh, on Instagram uh, as well, and then you can link to all the rest of the guys from there, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, guys, that's it. Come back and see us or listen to us again, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.